I think at the end of the day, Dan, like we all just need somebody to talk to about this stuff. Like this journey of business is very, very lonely. And I think there's some people on this list, you know, maybe even on the like more transactional side of things that like that doesn't bother them. But a lot of people are bothered by the fact that this journey can be lonely. It can be hard and that sometimes you just need somebody to talk to about it. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Ayo, it's Thursday. Welcome back to the podcast, Boss Man. Here we are. Helping you to grow a better, more profitable, location-independent business. By the way, if you want to hear news updates, rock and reviews, that's all going to happen at the end. We're going to get right into the meat of today's episode. It's an important topic. It's a powerful topic, and it's one that was requested by the listeners. In fact, when prompted Recently, in a DC, that's a Dynamite Circle thread, a member posed the question, how important has your network been to your success? And this particular member was referencing the famous book on business networking by Keith Ferrazzi called Never Eat Alone. The response is, you can't deny the power of right connections, very helpful, instrumental, completely fundamental, incredibly important, et cetera, et cetera. You get the point, Ian. These are entrepreneurs who've grown successful location-independent businesses, and they're saying things like, this skill set, this facet of growing businesses, i.e. networking, growing a network, is completely fundamental. So what we're going to do today, Ian, is an episode in a few parts. At the beginning, me and you are going to get on our soapboxes and talk about our personal approaches to networking and share some tips and perspectives that might be useful to the listeners, whether you're going to a conference in the next few months or whether you're just picking up the telephone, talking to people in your industry. And then in the second part of the episode, we are going to get to some fundamental personas, how you might roll out a strategy that could be a long-term strategy that helps you to grow your business and your network and does it sort of uh, aligned with your values and the way that you approach your day-to-day work. Everybody is different. I think, Dan, everybody has like kind of a different approach, like how they meet people, how they make friends, how they make business allies, things like that. And I think a lot of it is just due to different personalities. So I think what I'm looking forward to in this episode is going through these different personality types, like you said, and trying to figure out the best approach for you, which may not be necessarily the best approach for someone else. But before we do that, we are going to try to tap into some universal networking principles. So before we get started into this, Ian, I got to pose the question to you. How important has networking been to your business? I think it's a hard question to answer because when I look back at the types of things that propelled our business forward, like you try and figure out like how much of that came through relationships and it all gets kind of muddy, right? Because you like yeah. forget like, oh yeah, this person introduced me to that person and then this happened and I think if I was going to say like how important is it to have other people around you that are doing interesting things or that are doing tangential things to your business, 
yeah, it's uh, totally important. But it's hard to like point to that particular instance, like that particular phone call for me in my history of like, oh yeah, that's why this works now. And not only is it like, I think you're sort of saying, well, it's a little bit hard to quantify. It's a little bit like non-falsifiable. There's another element too, which is like, it's a little bit tough to develop a strategy around this stuff because it is so amorphous. So hopefully some of the things we mentioned in today's episode will help to congeal some of those things. But I'm tempted to put it up there on the category of like, like there's these fundamental rules of thumb in business that if you can sort of embody them in everything you do, you're way more likely to have success. And one of those things is like how hard you work. Literally, I think if you work more hours than the next person, like that's a good rule of thumb. Like if you sit every day in eight hours, you're not like having a job and you're not screwing around some weird hobby or whatever. If you're actually working, like actually producing productivity that you own as an asset, that's a really good indicator that you're going to have a business success someday. Same deal with networking. If you're hanging around with people, earning the respect of spending time with people who've had business success, that is an enormous indicator that you too will achieve that same sort of success. You and I lately, Dan, like uh, late night at the bar talk have been speaking about people with JOBs, jobs, and like how they progress in their careers and like what happens at the top and all this stuff. And I think it's interesting that a, a lot of the people with jobs that have 30-year careers or whatever, it becomes less about the skill set and it becomes more about the network. It becomes more about the way that they're like moving through these organizations and how they get to the top and the kind of people that they have to have lunch with. I'll put this out there. I'm going to go out on a diving board here on the deep end just to see what the listenership thinks about it. I have met a handful of like people that work in the startup ecosystem that it's not clear to me that they actually know how to run a startup, but they did know how to like corral say five to 10 important people on behalf of either an investment and exit or whatever. Like one of the interesting things about people that listen to this podcast, and I think this is sometimes the bootstrappers in the startup world, like worlds can collide, is like the people listening to this podcast actually know how to run a business. They're actually running a business. And of course you could critique me and say, well, moving millions of dollars here and there, that is a business. And I agree. But the skill set differential is radical, right? Sometimes you're right. Like in certain industries, in certain places like just simply knowing the right people and convincing them to do one or two key actions is enough. You can build a whole career off of that. Correct. The point that I was uh, trying to get to, which I think you summed up in one sentence, is you can build a whole career on networking. All right. So let's jump into our general networking tips. Of course, let's give the general caveat here that we are not experts in networking. I often eat alone. <laughs> and here I, here I am after 10 years, I'm still networked with you. I mean, I just cannot progress. It's funny. I eat alone a lot as well, and I actually enjoy it. So, All right. Number one tip. And this is a TMBA classic tip, which is that networking is a multiplier. I've always thought of it this way, that it really matters what you're coming to the table with. And we're going to talk about some free, simple, and easy things you can come to the table with that are really powerful in this episode. But it's important that you come to the table with something. If you're just meeting people, but you got nothing, zero times meeting whomever is zero. The idea here is that you can make one connection, you can have one conversation with one person, and it can go much further than you could go on your own. Because yeah. they tell five other people or something gets activated and like a whole chain of events happens. 
And I'll tell you what's powerful, like platforms, networks, relationships are enormously powerful. And a lot of people, they're going to use the excuse to say it's money. The wealthy people kind of hang out over there and they like have access to these country club things or these private exclusive events. And what I, one thing I want to say to people who have this limiting mindset, the most powerful thing to get into those rooms, like the rooms that where things are really happening, it's not money. Money is a commodity. It's a nice thing to have money for sure, but it's knowledge, it's expertise, it's care. Like these sorts of things are enormous competitive advantages. Like if, for example, you're a young person that doesn't have a lot of money, but you have done a PhD on your own over the last few years, reading every website, every newsletter, every book available on how to rank a website number one in Google, and then lo and behold, you did it to a few websites, who do you think the powerful people want to meet? Do they want to meet the person who has X number of dollars randomly like every other rich person, or do they want to meet the person who can actually get a website to number one? This is the second networking tip that we have, which is knowledge is power. And this is so underappreciated. Like people want to be in the room with other people who know important things. And knowing important things is something that everybody has access to. You can find your way into powerful people's rooms by understanding everything there is to know about that powerful person and figuring out ways in which you can help that powerful person. Then all of a sudden you're in the room and then all of a sudden you get access to the information that people really want. And so my encouragement is that one of the things that's critical in networking, particularly if you're just getting started and you don't have a platform to share, which is equally powerful, would be knowledge. Next thing I put this in here, Dan, that I think is important in terms of networking tips is like you have to be going the same direction in some way, shape, or form. Like I come back to this all the time in my life. Like trajectory really matters. Like, are you going in the same direction that you're trying to network in? Because a lot of times, like in these networking situations, like it's like crossfire, right? It's like the bullets are just like going past each other. You're kind of talking past each other. Can't really get on the same page. And I think a lot of times, like people try a little bit too hard in that situation. It's like, all right, you know what? Like our trajectories aren't aligned. Like there's not much here. Like this is what I'm up to. This is what you're up to. Like let's just split ways. Now, you might like come together on like some common ground, like you both like whiskey. I think that that's like a trajectory. You guys are both heading towards a brown bottle, you know? And uh, that's cool. Then you've networked your way to figure out that you guys both like whiskey. That should be the thing that you celebrate together. Point being, like, don't try too hard. Like, if you're not going in the same direction, abandon ship. If we're going to stick with our metaphors and we're saying networking is a multiplier, and then you're trying to multiply your trajectory, trying to go up faster, you really got to know what your trajectory is, like what your intended flight path is, and you got to know yourself. And one of the things you can really get in trouble with is like the moment you come in contact with like a, a rocket ship that's going the different direction, you can be tempted to change your trajectory. <laughs> right? Like it flies by you and you're like, whoa, where's that looks going? amazing. This is not a long-term strategy. You know, you got to know where you're headed and then you'll find the appropriate multipliers. You're going to meet people that are fascinating to you in the short term they're super successful or whatever, that you know, hey, you know, they're just not going the same direction and that's got to be okay. Let's talk about an important principle we want to lay out here for the first time on the TMBA, which is how to be prepared for conferences, 
for meeting people in business situations is this is a big problem. You got to be prepared with three things, an elevator pitch, an elevator offer, and an elevator hook. Elevator pitch, I think most people know what that is. But few people come prepared with it. And look, it's not cool. And we're going to get to cool and not cool. It is not cool to show up to a business networking event without an elevator pitch. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to the other people in the room. You owe it to your business and your trajectory, your livelihood, to be prepared with a succinct and exciting, interesting description of what it is you do. So here's an elevator pitch at its core. And by the way, an elevator pitch, we talked about networking as a multiplier, come to something with the party. At minimum, come with an elevator pitch. Like That could be valuable to other people. It ought to be, right? So an elevator pitch is you say your name, you say what it is you do and how you do it differently. All right? So my name is Dan Andrews, and I help entrepreneurs find great talent. And what's unique about us is that we focus on small, bootstrapped companies with 100% remote teams. That's my elevator pitch. I think, Dan, a lot of people listening might think like, well, okay, that's good. Uh, Yeah, I have mine. And I think most people do have theirs if they spent five minutes thinking about it, because that's about as long as it takes. But I'll say this, you haven't practiced it, or you don't believe it, or you're not coming through with confidence. I think those three things are really important when you're delivering your pitch, is have confidence in it, practice it, and own it. I think the mental problem that a lot of us run into, and I feel this, is like, if you're doing a lot of things, it can be hard to say one thing. Yep. And you can kind of be like, well, I'm in between things, and I'm this, and I'm that. Like, Drop all that noise. Like you just met somebody in an elevator. They don't want to hear your whole life story. That yeah? comes out on the third date. This is very <laughs> much like dating. Tell them how you how you have a pet goat and you have to like go home every three hours to like feed it and this and that. Don't tell them that on the first date. Just play it cool. This is what I'm good at. This is what I'm doing. And then eventually you can say all the things that are going wrong in your life because you know what? All those things are going wrong in their life as well. All right. So do yourself a favor and come to the party with an elevator pitch. Everybody's going to like you a little bit better. Now, the next thing you can do is have an elevator offer. Now, an elevator offer is probably not something that you're going to give to everybody at the party because now all of a sudden you're pushing things a step further and you're telling people one to three ways that you can work together. Oh, interesting, Dan. I have a business. It's a marketing firm. In fact, we have like two openings right now for junior marketers and I can't find anybody good. I can't find anybody that I would hire right now. Yeah. So the elevator offer is going to be me outlining the two or three ways in which we work with clients. So I don't know if you guys have a job description written yet, but if you write our team at team at dynamitejobs.co, we can help you formulate your offer and we can boost it out to our list of nearly 25,000 active candidates. And we'll even suggest candidates that we think will be particularly good for your job. You can check out the service offerings and everything over at uh, dynamitejobs.co. Cool. Interesting. Your elevator offer is something that will be given to like relevant prospects that seem interest, express interest and stuff like that. And qualified. Yeah. You might even follow up. It's like, hey, Ian, can I grab your card? I'll write on the back of it and uh, I'll get the team to write to you, whatever. This is an elevator offer and you know, it can be really powerful to targeted candidates. One thing that I'll mention about the elevator offer is it's got to be easy. You can't make me do a lot of work. You can't make me feel like I'm indebted to you already. Yeah. We just met. Like, 
your job, Dan, is to just make it be easy for me to understand the services that you offer, the product that you offer, and how I can interact with it. It's that simple. Let's move on to something that I want to call Super Baller. And I want to introduce this concept called the elevator hook. Because I think it's stickier. I think it's interesting. This is the power that every entrepreneur who owns a platform could potentially offer to people that they meet. It doesn't necessarily have to be business-related, but it's something that you or your platform can offer to others for free that they can get enormous benefit out of. So an example for me as the Dynamite Jobs founder who owns this job board and has all these candidates, I could say, hey, Ian, next time you're hiring a remote worker, kick me an email and we'd be happy to, to find that person for you. Like 100% no strings. Like we're doing free hiring for everybody we, I've met at this conference. It's not even a call to action. It's just like, I've got this platform. We know each other now. It's an elevator hook. It's like no upsells, nothing, nothing shady. Just it's all yours to be had because now we know each other. It's an elevator hook. A couple things here. If I'm me and you're talking to me, I'll go, wow, that's pretty cool. Thank you, Dan. I really appreciate that. I'm going to walk away with something constructive for both of us. But I want to point out in this conversation that we just had, this role-playing conversation, doesn't happen in 30 seconds. Happens over like the span of an evening. The elevator pitch happens. Elevator pitch happens in 30 seconds. But the elevator pitch, the elevator offer, the elevator hook, it transpires over an evening, maybe a longer conversation. If I'm hearing what you're saying, Dan, which is like, you have a very discreet offer, you have a very discreet hook at the end of the offer. I'm leaving this thinking, this is interesting. Like this guy, I like know about his business now. I understand how we can interact together. And he's even willing to like give me something like this is what you need to start a relationship. An elevator hook could be personal. You could say, hey, I rented out this big office in a co-working space in downtown Austin, Texas. There's five extra seats there all the time. Anytime you swing through town, come on and work with me for a day. That's an elevator hook. This is dating. This is, <laughs> this is, this is the problem with Tinder, right? This is dating. It takes a long time. Like the idea that like I'm going to come to your office and I'm going to like work from it and we're going to like bump into each other. Then we're going to talk more about remote hiring. Maybe you get to some other points about your business. It's like, oh, wait, you actually own a go-kart rental too. Oh, my brother owns a go-kart rental. This is real networking, Dan. Let me tell this you, is building real relationships. Let me tell you what's not an elevator hook. An elevator hook is not, if there's any way I can help you do anything, anytime, anytime, someday, give me a call. That is not an elevator hook. The reason it's not a hook is because there's not a discrete action. Exactly. Like The appropriate way to escalate a relationship is not to say, hey, if you ever need help growing your sales funnels, give me a call someday. It's like, that's like sleeping together. Like I'm going to call you up, give you access to my funnel. I'm going to do this. It's like, if you ever want me to take a look at this and that, it's like, no, no. If you want to look at people's sales funnels, give me a very specific offer that is like no sweat, no sweat for me. If I'm listening to this, Dan, and I have a service offering or I have a line of products, I'm thinking, well, how do I just offer them one product? Like, What if what they really need is like this other product and I didn't bring it up in my pitch? What do you do then? That's always going to be the case for every conversation you ever have, and you've lost the battle if you're getting lost in that minutia. You need to identify a simple on-ramp that is like the first domino 
in having quality conversations with your ideal friends, prospects, or partners. And you have to accept that it's going to be just one domino. If you insist on trying to get the whole thing out in the open in the first interaction, uh, you've lost the bore. So to sum up on that, prepare yourself with an elevator pitch, an elevator offer, and if you want to be a baller, why not develop an elevator hook? Something super cool that doesn't ask anything of the person that you met. It's just a benefit to them. And there might be a way that they need to qualify. So I could say, Ian, because you're a DC member, swing by my co-working space anytime. I'd be happy to have you as a guest. That is just such a cool thing that business people can do, that they can offer because your business gives you a special ability to be generous. So I encourage you when you go to your next networking or event or whatever, how can your business be generous to the people around you without having that little caveat at the end, like, we're going to ask you for something, you know? By the way, like, I got to point out that this is why the, if you ever need help with anything, anytime offer doesn't work. Because in what social situation are you going to hit somebody up to like, do anything for you, and then there's not going to be a hook, right? Like, I don't want to get myself involved in a relationship that I'm going to have to pay back some way that I don't know what the payback's going to be. This is why an offer works better. Like, for example, if you're like a young funnel expert, you say like, because I'm at this conference, I'm doing these funnel reviews for like $400. Just giving a discount to everybody at this conference. And like, yeah, I've been doing this funnel stuff for three years, and here's why I'm good at it. That's like interesting to me. The I really respect you. I really like what you're doing. If you need help with anything, funnels, anytime, that's not interesting to me because I'm like, well, where's that going to go? Like, I'd much rather like the $400 thing and go get it and like have something clear. Help me welcome a new old sponsor to the show. Long time listeners will definitely Remember, leading SEO specialist Travis Jamison's suite of companies, including Supremacy SEO and Sassicorn. Well, now they've rebranded as Smash.Digital. Same incredible SEO insights and results, fresh new brand, and it looks really great. Go check it out over at Smash.Digital. What they offer is simple yet essential, fully managed SEO services, link building, and SEO audits but it's how they deliver that is unique. That's because they use the same tried and true strategies that Travis uses in his own personal portfolio of businesses, all of which depend on organic traffic. So in other words, these principles and strategies were learned through experience and with skin in the game. Imagine that, an SEO firm that isn't obsessed with regurgitating Google's best practices, which can often be outright wrong and can even hurt Webmasters. So get a fresh view on the potential that your business has to reach a new sustainable source of customers from organic SEO traffic by reaching out to the team over at smash.digital. That's smash.digital. They could be your next big competitive advantage. Head on over to their site and smash that SEO audit link in the nav bar. And a big thanks to the team at smash.digital for sponsoring the show and congratulations on the rebrand. So when we started talking about this before the episode began, one of the things we identified is like the importance of finding people that are on the same wavelength as you. 
And so we kind of determined there's like these wavelength categories and it might be interesting to sort of see where you sit. And we came up with two polarities. The first is transactional oriented people versus knowledge oriented people. A transactional person could be described as a means oriented person and a knowledge oriented person could be an ends oriented person. And so one of the things we we find is that like in terms of social groups, a lot of like the transactional people end up together, particularly in business. And a lot of the knowledge or ends people end up together. And it doesn't necessarily mean that the transactional people or even the knowledge people are that across their entire lives. It could just be what they're seeking from their business. So for example, like a transactionally oriented person in business or networking might be very ends oriented in their family or friendship life. But I think it's sort of interesting because like someone like me, I treat like my business life as a very like ends or knowledge oriented sort of mission. And because of that, I think I don't end up hanging out with people who treat business like more transactionally. Yeah, it's interesting because I think the example that we gave Dan about like how to be effective with your elevator pitch, your offer and your hook seems very transactional. And when I think about like the ways that people interact, like especially very transactional people interact, like it's you give me this, I give you that kind of thing. And like there's very little emotion going through that situation. There's like maybe not a lot of knowledge either. It's just like, I'm going to give you this, you're going to give me that. The pitch to me that we describe seems very transactional. But I think what's interesting about it potentially is that it leads to knowledge. Like if you guys can coordinate that transaction and like it's a successful transaction, it will lead to more knowledge-based conversations. Well, I'm not so sure because you could generate an elevator pitch, an elevator offer, and an elevator hook that lead towards more of a knowledge end than a specifically transactional end. So you could say, for example, you know, I'm Dan Andrews. I run a podcast that is one of the oldest podcasts about micro multinationals in the world. And I'm at this conference because I'm seeking examples of blank, blank, and blank. And those ends are clear and simple ends that lead me to find the types of guests, types of knowledge that I'm seeking. And you could even imagine like a Facebook ads entrepreneur, for example, like having a more of a knowledge oriented approach where they're like basically scholars of ads and they're doing testing and tinkering and they're looking for like the experts versus a more transactional approach, which is like they're more client oriented. They're like, I want somebody that's going to buy my product. Now, these aren't mutually exclusive at all, but they tend to be different approaches where people end up in different camps. And so it's interesting to sort of get a sense for where you sit on the spectrum. But also, I think it's worth not being too extreme. If you're too transactional, you can run into problems. If you're too knowledge-oriented, you can end into problems too. A lot of this has to do with just like vibe too, which we're probably discounting a little bit too much during this process because we're humans and like humans are attracted or detracted from like certain types of behaviors or eye movements or gestures or whatever. And I think, you know, me, one of the things that I'm like kind of allergic to in a lot of ways, Dan, as we're talking about this is like the transactional means, right? So it's like, oh man, this person like wants something from me or like this person's like driving really hard at something. And like, I'm just like, hey man, we got to go on like a couple of dates. So it's like- worth pointing out that a lot of people love the transaction. A lot of people it. do. Yeah. And, and like you said, a lot of those people, they tend to group together, but if I'm like more knowledge based and I'm like trying to string out a conversation, I'm talking to you about this and that, 
This is going to lead to some friendship. I think we're probably both getting what we need or what we want out of the situation. It's just the different approaches. So to me, it's like, maybe how can I become a little bit more transactional based so I can actually interact with these people because I'm sure that they have something valuable to share with me. And then maybe for them, they want to become a little bit more knowledge-based. So I don't know. They can progress their offers and be at the height of the industry or whatever. Before we get on to our personalities, there's one other set of polarities that I wanted to bring up that might be interesting that both have their pitfalls. This is the polarity between cool and earnest. In any networking situation, you could be either super earnest, which is like, you invested, say, five minutes talking to somebody and they're going to like walk away, but you didn't get their contact info. And on the other side, there could be, you could be on the cool as a cucumber side where you're like, no worries. Like, I'm just having fun at this conference or whatever. And I think there's real pitfalls to each side. Like, if you're overly earnest, like a little bit thirsty, as we'd say, this can be problematic and can really turn people off. But if you're overly cool, and you don't have an elevator pitch, for example, and you're just like, ah, oh, I'm just rocking up to this conference because you know I heard the beer is good or whatever. You could really miss out on an opportunity to connect with people in a more meaningful way by giving them that first domino. Like, not everybody needs it. Like, certainly you can network with people without the elevator pitch. But I think not having one, if you're too cool for school, if you're too cool for an elevator pitch, I challenge you this: you are not too cool for an elevator offer. So if you think you're cool and you want to be cool. Come to that conference with an amazing free offer for the people that you meet. All right, Ian, to help maybe put some of these tips into practice, we're going to fall back on a classic TMBA ruse and introduce some shady, or maybe not so shady, characters. Start putting people in boxes. We're going to start putting people in boxes, exactly. (laughs) And we're going to name them, eh, whatever we want to name them. But what we're going to do here is try to talk about some personas because if it is true that networking is this fundamental, absolutely important thing, then you need to have a plan in your life, in your business that aligns with the way that you want to live and the way that you want to run a business. And there's different ways people approach this. So we're just going to lay out a few of them here today. And if one of them does resonate with you, we'll offer some tips on how you can get the most out of your networking. So the first character we are going to introduce We'll call him Embedding Eddie. There's something universal in what Eddie is doing, which is he is recognizing that the people you're with moment to moment, day to day, week to week are ultimately the people that are going to have the biggest impact on you. And that thinking about how you relate to those people, the sorts of ideas that they're talking about, the sorts of transactions that they're involved in, Ultimately, you're going to be the things that you're involved in. So one thing that you can do if you want to become Embedded Eddie is you can move to where it's happening. Yeah. Maybe you are in an industry and you are all alone where you live, but the industry is happening somewhere else. And this is, by the way, why a lot of people, digital nomads, people that are working online, move to places like Chiang Mai because there's a lot of people there that are doing what they're doing. It makes a lot of sense in terms of networking and meeting other people that are growing the same types of businesses. So why not go and live with them? Yeah. This isn't possible for everybody, but it's an idea. Go to where your industry is. Dan, this is a big reason why I decided to move to Austin. I had to make a decision. Where's my home base going to be in the United States? Turns out I had the most peers, friends, customers, et cetera, in Austin. So it was a relatively easy choice for me, low tax rate, and it had a network already built into it. 
Yeah. I mean, you can't overstate the importance of like that most fundamental thing in your life, which is it's location independent. It's not location arbitrary, right? Like where you live is a powerful mechanism for the kinds of experiences you're going to have, for the kinds of people that you're going to meet on a regular basis. So Embedding Eddie is taking a look at this and saying, if my industry up and moves, I'm moving along with it. I'm going to be a part of it. You know, Paul Graham mentions this in his wonderful article, What Does Your City Whisper? He essentially says, look, of all these major movements that have happened, they've all been location-based, like Silicon Valley happened in Silicon Valley, you know, and there's never been like a really notable historical virtual movement yet. And is the next one going to be? Well, we don't know. But I know in our lives and in Eddie's life, being there is what it's all about. And you don't necessarily need to be there full time. For example, if you have a family, if you have other commitments, you live in Oklahoma, but you do run an online business, one that's virtual, might be a good idea, for example, to show up to Chiang Mai the month after DCBKK because there will no doubt be hundreds of entrepreneurs flocking to that city. You can create a virtual approximation by, say, starting a mastermind, joining a mastermind, joining a virtual community. There are ways to embed yourself that aren't necessarily in person. The next character is straight up Stan. Jacked. I'm jacked. Stan. <laughs> Here I am. Stan is like sort of like on the earnest side of things. Stan is super excited. Stan has the elevator pitch, the elevator offer, and the elevator hook completely nailed cold. Blinders on, headed one direction, knows where he's at in life very happy to hear about other things and other avenues, but going straight forward. And if you're not with Straight Up Stan, then you're not with Straight Up Stan. And I'll tell you what, it's tempting because everyone knows a Straight Up Stan that's annoying. And it's like, this person is just some sort of obsessed with themselves. They can't stop talking about themselves. But it's crazy because if you talk about yourself to a thousand people and what you sell is like X number of dollars and like five of those thousand people like like straight up stand or resonate with the message and they opt in and they pay X amount. You could like build a business off of this crazy, like pathological repeat engine of talking about yourself all the time. But that doesn't mean that there aren't great straight up stands and that you can't be a stand up straight up character. It's just all about how you approach it. And the reality is whether or not you think it's cool or not, being straight up about what you do and what you're trying to do in the world can be a very effective networking strategy. The next character is a Salon Sue. Sounds Dan, classy. What is a salon in this context? <laughs> so a salon is a word that's used to describe like a party that you host where the whole point of the party is for like interesting and diverse people to meet each other, particularly people that have interesting ideas about the world or they might be luminaries in their particular field. So it comes from a sort of party that became popular in Paris. Like I'm going to invite this author and this politician and this scientist and we're going to put everybody in the room and see what interesting things come about. Connectors, basically. These are people that know a lot of people and that have maybe a little bit of influence and they're able to bring these people together to meet each other. Yeah, Salon Su is, is the person who's always genuinely saying, hey, Eddie, you really need to meet Stan because I talked to both of you and you're both interesting. And Sue is focused on, on connecting people that might have a genuine interest in meeting each other. 
And I think a lot of times Sue doesn't have like really a vested interest except for their main goal is to like connect these other people. So they don't need to like get cash out of the deal. They just want to be a part of the connection. I think being around it is its own reward for Sue. Like Sue's a bit more of a means or knowledge oriented person. So one of the things that I see Salon Sue's doing all the time is that they host their own events at events. Like this is a very common strategy. I have a unique perspective on the types of people I want to connect. And so every time I go to a party or every time I go to an event, I'm going to pull in the most interesting people and connect them in a unique and exciting way. And that's a really good approach and it can be a long-term one. Also, I think it's worth mentioning about Sue's personality because Sue doesn't have like this transactional personality. That's actually pretty critical to the Salon Sue approach because Sue can like move up and down the power spectrum because people aren't worried that she's going to try to ask for something or Sue can be trusted, right? Because you're around all these powerful people. Like if you say something at the salon, it stays at the salon sort of thing. Right. Next, we got Long Game Larry. Long Game Larry. (laughs) When's the last time you met a Larry? (laughs) Larry's interesting because I think he's a lot like Sue in that he can be trusted. They don't need anything from you again. Tips don't work for them. It's not it's not this transactional situation. It's integrated. Like long game Larry, you gotta have something in common. So yeah. you hit it off at the event. Again, maybe you guys like whiskey together and you just think like this is enough. This is enough for me. Like me and this person have whiskey in common. And hopefully the next year we're going to have this and that in common. Right. And the thing about Larry that's unique, it's a little bit different than Sue. Sue's interested in like the ideas and that could come from anywhere. I think Larry typically is trying to network up. Like you identify someone powerful, someone you want to be like, and it's like, man, I would really like to sidle up to that power Correct. and eventually go up. And I think there are a lot of sort of aspirational Larry's that end up tripping up over shorter games, like trying to overhelp from a business perspective, doing things that are unintegrated. I was going to say like, you know, what are the tips for the the long game Larry? And it's like, well, if it's not integrated, if it's not natural, if you can't actually hang with these people without constantly trying to help them or do this or do that, the long game Larry strategy doesn't really, isn't going to work for you. It takes too much time. You're going to be found out as an imposter who just needs something so Long Game Larry won't work for The you. idea for me, Dan, behind Long Game Larry is you see where these people are and you want to get there. And you think like, guys, I'm going to get there. And you truly believe it. I'm building my engine. I'm building my network. I'm doing all this stuff. It's going to take me some time. So in the meantime, let's connect over whiskey or whatever it is. And like next week, I'm going to be better. Next week, I'm going to be better. And eventually, we're going to be able to sit at this table together eye to eye and like talk about some higher level things. But for right now, let me just provide you with this value. And it is a long game. And I do think most of the time, like you said, if you're just continuously like giving and giving as long game Larry and you're not pushing forward like with yourself, I guess, it can be problematic. So I think if you're a long game Larry, you really have to be on like the upward trajectory. And this is like a, a way to get a foot in the door. Fair enough. Finally, we've got Let's Be Friends, Fred. How you doing? Fred's out there looking for a genuine connection. And this is like a little bit of an anti-fragile strategy because the worst case scenario, if you walk into this as a Fred and you're looking for a genuine connection with other people is you're going to have a few friends. Yeah. Which is 
more valuable than a business connection at the end of the day. So one of the things that I think Let's Be Friends Fred does differently than a lot of the other personas is that they offer up a vulnerability pretty early in the game. Because if you're going to be friends with somebody, okay, you do your elevator pitch, here's what I do, here's what you do. But it's really more like, hey, I'm going to set the tone here and like tell you about my personal life. Or I'm going to tell you about a uh, struggle that I had last year. And I'm just going to like put that out there as a feeler to see like if you respond to that, if like you want to take things in that direction. Now, if the other person is more transactional or doesn't want to share about their life in that way, then you're going to know. The other thing is that like if they do share about their life, and they express back to you values that you don't agree with or that you don't think are that interesting or don't vibe with, then you know right away too. So I do think like if your persona is more like a Fred, I think starting with like the vulnerable salvo that's personal is like a really good strategy because you might walk out of a conference then with like three or four like deep conversations where you could imagine like saying, hey, like next year at this conference, I'm coming a few days early. Do you want to take a trip together? Do you want to meet up at this place? And like, that's how friendships, like you can get the ball rolling on those things. I want to point out that this is like a very dominant persona at DCBKK. I think people, you know, different conferences attract different approaches and personas, but I think you see a lot of this vulnerability and this idea of, hey, if I can walk out of here with a few friends that are like in the same struggle as me right now, that's going to be huge, you know? like the advice, the information, like a few deals, all great. Having like someone to take the journey with is an enormous benefit. I mean, it's half the reason I think why people get into business partnerships, Dan, because it's like, let's be friends, man. Let's like struggle through this <laughs> together. Here we are sitting here together talking about this. I just want somebody to talk to about this stuff, you know, and then they end yeah. up falling into a business partnership, good or bad. But I think at the end of the day, Dan, like we all just need somebody to talk to about this stuff. Like this journey of business is very, very lonely. And I think there's some people on this list, you know, maybe even on the like more transactional side of things that like that doesn't bother them. But a lot of people are bothered by the fact that this journey can be lonely and that it can be hard and that sometimes you just need somebody to talk to about it. Sometimes you just want to meet Fred. Well, boss man, that is our episode on networking. Let us know if uh, you have any networking tips, any favorite books. Of course, probably the the seminal work, at least in the listenership here, is Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi. You know, I don't mind the book. It doesn't like deeply resonate with me, but I do agree with the core premise of the book, which is having a system in your business or an approach that's consistent, that's daily, weekly, monthly, that's about getting into relationships that are powerful, that align with your values. Even these fantasy land business ideas where you think it's going to be, you're sneaking off to your laptop at night and making big money and then you're living a normal life or whatever. You meet the people who have those business models that you think are like that and it turns out it's all relationships. They know the right people. They know the other people that are having the similar kind of success and if you don't have a system to get out there and meet the people and you're trying to figure out the tactics and strategies, again, come back to the top of the episode. Let's just stick with the basics. Number one, how much time are you working in terms of generating your own assets? Number two, who do you know that's relevant? Who do you know that's doing the same exact thing that can help you along the path? Final thought for me, Dan, on this. A lot of times these ideas come across, I think it's like a little sleazy or like contrived just because like 
there's this idea that I'm going to be somebody that I'm not to be able to get something that I want. And I hope that what we've done to this episode is like show people how they might approach these types of networking events and these types of relationships in a way that's like has cohesion with who they are. Be authentic. Yeah. In a way that you can be authentic with yourself and like not be sleazy. Basically. It's the theme of the whole show, which is that the amount of businesses you can run and the amount of ways that you can run them are so enormous nowadays that you can choose something that's in line with you. Number one is knowing who you are. Knowing what's authentic to you is so critical to be an effective networker because if you have no backbone, if you have no sense of where you're going or who you are or who you think's full of shit and who you think's great, then your networking is going to be whack straight up. So knowing who you are, being authentic is a key part of this. And that doesn't mean you don't need to have a system behind it that gets you regularly engaged with those wonderful people that can help you grow. Thank you, wonderful people, for listening to us this week. Of course, we are going to do a regular segment on this week's show. I think we won't bother with the news this week. Instead, we'll just start with the reviews. Rockin' reviews, Dan. This week again, we had to agree on something. It took 20, maybe 30 minutes, and you're only halfway (laughs) agreed to it. This is Tame Impala. The song is The Movement. You know, Ian, we always read positive reviews during Rockin' Reviews. I thought we'd throw a curveball this week and read a critical review. We appreciate those as well. Getting Weary, three stars. I am a longtime listener of this podcast, but I'm about to stop listening. I get weary of the constant self-promotion and Dan and Ian telling us how great their life is. There is good content in each episode, but it takes listening through 10 to 15 minutes of joking around and self-promotion before the meat of the episode is delivered. The podcast has evolved and is not as effective as it once was. Dan and Ian, we get it. You are doing well and have great lives, but we don't need to be reminded every single episode. What do people think? Do they <laughs> do they really think that we didn't create this podcast just so we could promote how great our lives are? I mean, what <laughs> other reason would there be for that, us having this show? That review was given by long-time listener 10, May 28th, 2013. Well, I hope we've evolved since then. We had long-term listeners in 2013. I love it. We have cut down on the uh, self-promotion and talking about how great our lives are. In fact, our I'm lives, thinking about ramping it back up. Is that great? <laughs> I'm thinking about ramping it back up. In fact, we're um, living in the same building right now. Maybe next episode you can tell me how great my life looks from we, your perspective, we're Dan. Do the five ways our lives are so great. I'm not cutting out the joking around, though. That's no. my favorite part. All right, boss man. Thanks for joining us. Listeners, thank you for letting us into your earbuds this week. We'll be back with some more meat, of course, next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.